Welcome to Kuden, the radio show and podcast for self-defense and martial arts news, interviews, techniques, and history. Hosted by Sheehan Jeffrey Miller and Shidoshi Eric White. Sheehan Miller is the 13th degree black belt and master instructor of Warrior Concepts International in Sunbury, Pennsylvania. Shidoshi Miller's martial arts career spans over 30 years and has taken him around the world to train with some of the world's best martial arts masters. Shidoshi Eric White has been a student of Sheehan Miller's for over a decade. Together, they will answer your questions, discuss techniques, history, and current issues important to you, the self-defense-minded citizen and the practicing martial artist. Submit your questions by email to warriorc at warrior-concepts-online.com. Welcome to Kuden. Happy Friday to you. If, uh, if you're listening on the call or you're catching this uh, on another day, well, it's Friday as we're recording this. <laughs> so uh, any day can be Friday as long as you're listening to Kuden. And uh, it's, the first, <laughs> it's the first day of uh, fall here as we record this. So, you know, I don't know if that's uh, auspicious for today's episode or just it's just another day. But with a pumpkin spice latte. Oh, okay. <laughs> Everything you for some reason. On. You know, fall you fall begins California, and you, you change so much. So anyway, <laughs> fall, fall begins and everything turns to pumpkin spice. I don't know if that's happening back east or not, but it's certainly out here. because well, you know the seasons don't change so sharply here. You know we go from like you know hot weather to sort of warm weather, and it's like oh everybody gets cold and let's have pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> yeah, I saw a meme one time that uh, had. Uh, a comparison thing. I think it was with Florida, but it, it still counts for Southern California. That um, they had uh, on a 60 degree day, uh, the Floridians were in parkas and, and mukwaks. <laughs> exactly. And uh, <laughs> here in Pennsylvania, we have like a blanket thrown out on a on a grassy area and stuff, and we're having a picnic in t-shirts and shorts. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know. So anyway, it's all good. Yeah, right. well, and we've got some great stuff to cover uh, this hour, and uh, hopefully a little time at the end for some for some Q&A, but we can jump right into it. Uh, you know, I know one of the topics you wanted to get into today had to do with uh, stealth training, and I, I always love that one. It's one of, uh, you know, we, we would pull this out in class, I would say not maybe all the time, but, um, you know, sometimes we I can recall us getting into some of the stealth training things, but definitely at camps, which was always something I look forward to, or some of those stealth exercises we would do at at the uh, camps you would put on so would really like to Saturday get into uh, yeah, that's right hearing about uh, the you know stealth training that people can start working into their own training yeah well um actually uh i i think we discussed this a little bit uh during last episode because uh, someone had asked about some suggestions for solo training and uh so, uh, you know, I, that was on the list, right? And then, uh, coincidentally, or maybe it was just a subconscious plant, uh, Josh had come to class last week, and uh, we worked on uh, stealth. So we worked on some uh, methods for moving across gravel, some methods for moving uh, through uh, high grass, for traversing uh, squeaky floors, stairwells, that kind of thing, and luckily the way the new dojo is laid out, we have access to all of these things. Uh, sand is the squeaky. Well, I guess we use a, uh, pl- uh, what do you call them, a landing area for that kind mm. of thing. Landing as in, like, you know, part of a stairwell, not for anybody thinking that we went to, over to the airport or something. So, uh, yeah, so we were working on that, and uh, what I thought I'd do is uh, you know, share some ideas 
for stealth training because this is one of those skills that and see here's 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 the thing that really jabs me in some place I don't want to be jabbed. Um, mm. the, it's the constant use of the word ninjutsu when the person, by and large, that's talking to me is only talking about ninpo or budo taijutsu. And I say hmm. only because they're only focused on the martial, you know, hand-to-hand uh, combat side of things, right. and they're missing out on all of these other things that are actually required of someone who is supposed to be practicing ninjutsu. Not my rules, right? These things come mm-hmm, from ancient mm-hmm. Japan. So, uh, you know, stealth and, and uh, personal development, clarity kind of things, and working on uh, ki and all these kind of things that, uh, you know, you don't need a training partner for, okay? Um, so, uh, it's just, I don't know, it's, it's one of those things, right? So, uh, and I'm not sure if I mentioned this last episode or not, but uh, we used to talk about this in class where, and, and you've been around, you were around for a long time in the dojo, and we'd have these folks come in, and they would say, well, like, what are we going to work on stealth? Or, you know, and our, we, we chuckle and say, you're always working on stealth. Right? <laughs> Once you learn the principles for it, when you're training, you know, it's, it's all part of it, right? And you should be training all the time. Uh, one of the best, uh, not analogies, but one of the best uh, kind of uh, suggestions or perspectives that uh, one of my teachers shared way early on in my in my uh, career in this art was that we needed to see our training like uh, a, a class in, in high school or college that involved a lab, right? Uh, whether it was biology or chemistry or, you know, uh, there, there were lots that, that had these things, right? But, you know, you had a classroom where the teacher lectured and you took notes and you learned the theory of things, uh, you know, you may have memorized the periodic table of the elements or whatever it was, right? Or you could discuss that uh, this chemical mixed with this chemical creates this kind of a reaction, and, you know, whatever, right? And then you need to go next door or across the, the wing or wherever the, the lab was and you'd actually do hands-on with these experiments to get experience with what the book knowledge was, right? Uh, I don't know if you've ever done these. Well, you were in uh, radio broadcasting and all that, so you've had yeah. had stuff like this, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So um, uh, our martial arts and self-defense training, our ninjutsu training, should be like that as well. Dojo training is like the classroom training. Yes, I know that we're working with bodies and doing things and all that. Um, and But, see, that kind of work is, is for, like, a really small part of the entire art. Okay? And, yes, we need bodies for that, but, we're, you know, we're working it out. We're feeling our way through and all that. Right? It's, it's really when we're interacting with people out in the world. Now, I had the benefit or misgivings, I don't know, of, uh, of being uh, – a police officer, so I got hands-on with people outside of the dojo quite a bit, right? And I'm not advocating that people, like, you know, go out to bars on Friday and Saturday nights and start fights or, you know, uh, whatever. I'm not advocating that. But the point is that there are lots of things that we that we work on or that you could be studying or read about in Hatsumi Sensei's books or uh, saw in YouTube videos or whatever that you can go out and actually practice, right? So 
the dojo is the classroom. Mm-hmm. The rest of the world, home, your workplace, wherever you happen to be, right, that's your lab, right? So in the way the classroom, classroom, classroom uh, <laughs> lab uh, things, uh, you know, the way, it, the way it's supposed to work is you learn something in the classroom and you take that over to the lab to prove it, right? Mm-hmm. And it's either going to work, in which case you're ready for the next lesson, or it's going to kind of work, or it's not going to work or backfire or whatever. But either way, now you have different questions, right? right. So you're either ready for the, you know, you have questions, okay, what's next, or why did that not work, How did that, why did that happen, whatever. You take that back to the classroom, you pose those to the professor or the teacher, you get more answers, you go back to the lab, you try it out, right? You get some more feedback from the experiential side of, of study, you know, and it just goes back and forth, right? And that happens here as well. But you, you've been to Japan with me. You've been to Japan mm-hmm. on your own, right? Yeah. How often have you seen people be super, super graceful with their taikutsu in the dojo only to train, change into their regular clothes, leave the dojo, and be scuffing their feet, you know, uh, mm-hmm. bumping into things, you know, talking very, very loudly, you know, those kind of things, which is very not ninja-like and not, you know, it's very uh, not stealth-like or whatever, right? Um, yeah. So, you know, we, we, there are these things that we can do, right? Um, so, uh, like I said, there, there's, there's a whole list of things that, you know, people could work on by themselves. But I think that the whole stealth idea, and this is going to sound like a pun, but to leave the smallest footprint possible, even when you're standing right in front of people, right? Train to be the quietest person in the room. Train to be uh, the least observed person in the room. Train to not show your hand all the time. Right, so what that means is train to train to put on different masks. Okay, mm-hmm. um, let certain parts of your persona come out. So, you know, I might share certain things with uh, family and uh, some of those things, but other things with uh, friends. Right, because um, I don't know, my family might think some of those things are weird or gross or whatever. So, okay, well, you know, they think I'm weird enough. So, uh, I'll share. I'll save that for this group over here. Um, when I'm uh, at the dojo, right, they get to see my teacher face. Uh, you know this. When I go to Japan, I tell everyone, I'm not here to be your teacher. I brought you here, and I will guide you to different places after class. But in this class, he's the teacher, and I'm just another student. So if I see something that you're doing that's, like, way off, I'll, like, hint. But if I'm not talking to you about something, that means I'm trying to figure this out for myself. Don't talk to me. <laughs> Leave me alone. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in student mode, right? So that face comes out, right? So, and I'm okay with them seeing or yeah, seeing me make mistakes because I'm in student mode, right? Um, you know, so we 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 have these things, but we can be doing this all the time, right? Think about what you're doing and where you're going and how how you dress, uh, how that affects people, right? And either allows you to blend in or stand out. Mm-hmm. And I get it. Everybody wants to be their own person, right? But then they want the freedom to be this ninja guy who, 
you know, has this power and ability and all that, except they have decided that this is me, this is the way I dress, this is the way I do things or whatever, you either like me or you don't. Yeah, well, for working on Nitsu, and we're truly working to master the art of Nitsu, then Henso Jutsu is a huge part of the art, right? Disguise and impersonation, right? Yeah. Blending it to your surroundings, right? Um, being that thing that makes the other person completely at ease, where they don't see a threat, they don't see anything that puts them on guard or suspicious of you or whatever, right? So, you know, it's really about becoming more uh, of what Hatsumi says they call zero or more like that ball of clay that hasn't hit the kiln yet, right? Mm -hmm. As long as I can add water to it and, and keep it malleable, it can be anything I want it to be. And then once it's finished, I can ball it back up again and create something else. But once I crystallize it, put it in the kiln and fire it, the only thing it's going to be is that object or that object broken, right? I guess I could grind mm -hmm. it back down into dust again, but I don't know that I can turn it back into clay again, right? So anyway, uh, the whole point of it was I, I tossed a couple. Uh oh, how'd that happen? Oh, oh I don't know. Uh, I'm still here. I don't know. That's weird. Well, yeah, I know, but it just it just said, uh, I guess I have to put it back in lecture mode. I don't know what happened. All right, so uh, if you didn't hear that, Eric and I both did. <laughs> so anyway, something happened on the system. So um, yeah, so I just thought I'd toss some things out there and and you know just give a little reminder that if you're really training and needed to then there's things that you should be training in that are part and parcel with the art. And those things will cross over at certain levels in your training to actually take you farther. Okay? Uh, you know, I, I mean, if somebody can perceive your actions in everything that you do, then you're probably pretty obvious when you're doing your defensive techniques, which means he can see them coming and whatever, right? But, Nimpotajitsu is only one aspect, and it's not even the prior. It's not even the primary aspect. If you think about Nijitsu, right, the, there are all these things in the scrolls about uh, if the ninja draws his sword or if the ninja has to draw a sword, he's already lost, right? And the reason for that is you were detected, right? So now you have to defend yourself. So, and this isn't just about defending yourself physically, right? If your motives were discovered uh, because you're trying to I don't know, steer your kids or your spouse to your way of thinking to go to the vacation destination you want to go to or, I don't know, to clean up the rooms or whatever, right? If your manipulation is noticed, there, then it's, you know, you, you've got a bigger battle on your hands. So how do, you, how do you do that, right? So And these are all things that we can work on regardless of whether we have a partner. You know, no... <laughs> And again, I'm going to ruffle some feathers here, big time. You have no idea how tired I get of people telling me their woes about not being able to train in this art because they don't have a training partner, but they're not doing anything else either. Okay? Mm -hmm. And they're talking to one of the people that was original to this art, me, that had to fly around the world for training. And no, I was not wealthy. I, had, I made a, a, a buck private paycheck with a family in the in the army, so no, it wasn't easy, right? Um, just they, they, if you're really trying to do this, 
you need to find a way, right? So anyway, stealth training is one of those things that we could be working on. And so I'm now I'm going to assume that people are working on it, okay? So this is going to be old hat because I just saw that Josh is on the call. Uh, on the, <clears throat> yeah, on the call. So anyway, uh, this will be a reminder to him or, I don't know, maybe you can just mute it out while I'm finishing this up. But when we're working on stealth, right, the biggest thing to remember about stealth um, is you need to minimize your movements, okay? So if it's, if it's visual cues, right, uh, you either need to blend in or if you can't blend in, uh, you know, and, and you're trying to, I don't know, you're actually on a stealth mission or something like that, right, uh, speaking of our Saturday evening camp. Uh, things, right, um, mm -hmm. then you need to be able to move as slowly as possible, okay? And that means maintaining balance. That means having the leg strength and the hip flexibility that will allow you to transition extremely slowly without your muscles burning out very, very quickly. That's for the folks that don't like to exercise. Um, it requires doing this stuff on a regular basis so that you're actually strengthening the muscles that will be required when you do it, okay? If you, and, and here's the thing, right? When we say that we're doing stealth all the time, ninja walking, normal, everyday walking, I don't mean Yokoruki, I don't mean Yashi, I don't mean any of that stuff that's actual stealth things. I mean the way we carry ourselves on a regular basis is ninja walking, right? So we listen to the sound of our own footsteps and try to minimize them and be as quiet as possible. That in and of itself causes you to have more muscular control. Right? It mm -hmm. strengthens the legs. It, it makes the joints what they need to be so that when you actually have to do stealth movement to get out of a house, workplace, whatever, or, I don't know, you're out on, on one of these little training things that we do and you have to cross the, the area the size of a football field or more, right, that you're not burned out in five or ten minutes because you've just killed your muscles, right? We have this low crawl thing that I taught Josh this last week, uh, that, um, you know, you're basically in a Superman push-up position, but you can't lift any higher than your body just not scraping the ground, right? Uh, that's very taxing on the muscles. So you know this, right? In the dojo during uh, uh, exercise times when we do that, often we'll do these Superman push-ups because we're strengthening the muscles necessary to do this particular movement. Right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but anyway, just work. So it's it's about minimizing your movement, but also there's there's the sound thing as well, right? So when it comes to stealth or camouflage or anything like that, there's uh, there's sight, there's sound, there's silhouette, right? There's, there's shape, right? Um, mm -hmm. So there's there's things to 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 uh, you know to focus on, right? So. Um, uh, and sound, right? So when people are thinking of uh, stealth, most of them are thinking about stealth walking, stealth movement. How about if you practice picking that glass up or your coffee cup off the desk without it sliding across the, the desk? Because when it comes to stealth and sound, what we're really talking about is minimizing friction. Right? Mm -hmm. It's not about anything magical. It's two surfaces that slide across each other create friction, friction creates sound. It creates a vibration, vibration is sound, right? So uh, we want to be able to 
pick things up. So one of the first things I was taught was no matter what you're picking up, you catch with your maybe your uh, middle finger and your index finger and your thumb, so your ring finger and little finger are on the tabletop. And then instead of just scooping this thing up, because your arm moves in an arc, right? Instead of doing that, you literally slide your in, your little finger and ring finger toward the object. And what that does is it causes the object to lift straight up in the air. Okay? So it's like uh, our koash, koashi, uh, small step, right, on gravel, where you pick things straight up, put things straight down uh, so that, you know, you're not sliding. Nothing, nothing is sliding. When you're putting that same cup or uh whatever, you're putting down on the table, make your little finger and ring finger touch the table first, and then very gently put things down. Often what I'll do, as long as the thing's not too big, is I'll slide my uh, middle finger underneath the rim of the object so I can touch it down and then slowly take that out and allow it to, to settle down. It's still making noise, right? I mean, there's still going to be a vibration. There's still going to be sound. But the, the positioning of my hand serves to muffle it, and it's while you're going to hear it, most people who are used to loud walking, chairs scraping as they slide out from under a table or whatever, they're, they're never going to hear it. Okay? Yeah. Uh, same thing, right, with chairs at a restaurant or whatever, right? Uh, now, see, when I was growing up, we had all this etiquette where you pulled the chair out for a, a woman to sit down and you held the door for and all that. Now... I don't know what the hell's going on. Uh, I still do it. (laughs) But you did it with control and all that. So very rarely was the chair dragged out, right? So even in in the older days, right, things were typically more controlled, right? You were taught to have grace and etiquette and whatever. So uh, when you're going to slide a chair out, pick it up, move it to the new position, and put it down, right, Um, to avoid that scraping. Just train to be... So it's more naturally quiet, right? Um, so anyway, I just want to toss those things out there. Uh, well, I think one of the other things that I uh, covered with Josh was um, uh, you don't always have to be quiet, right? Because you're going to you're going to give up uh, you're going to give up the blending as far as sight goes, the blending in if you have to bolt, if you have to run, or you're also going to give up uh, and or you're going to give up uh, the, the, the uh, low sound levels, the faster you have to move. Okay? Mm-hmm. So the trick with that is to use natural cover. And I don't mean like in the woods. It could be, I guess, right? But uh, if a truck or a bus goes by, right, there's going to be a loud noise. If an airplane goes overhead and there's this, you know, loud rumble, right, use that just you know, you can you can then run if you're at night in or if you're in working at night and it's very very dark. You can bolt at that point because nobody's going to hear your footsteps. The train or the bus or plane or whatever uh, is is masking whatever sound you'd be making. So use those to cover more distance. Um, same thing if there's a flurry of movement, right? Uh, and you're suddenly not standing alone on the street corner, or you know you're waiting for something to happen and a crowd of people walk by, right, move with them to the new location so that, you know, it almost looks like you've disappeared from the first place because, you know, 
you were you were there and then you weren't, right? But it's, it's mm-hmm. about blending, right? So using those things. So anyway, I want to toss that out because people are continually continuing to look for things that they can do as a solo practitioner or lamenting because they don't have a partner. Well, there's lots of things you can do without a partner. Shooting throwing, uh, you know, uh, firearms work. Uh, you can go through the kata solo, right, uh, just to get the mechanics and the movement. So when you do get with a partner, you're not learning from scratch and you're not wasting all that time between now and when that that unicorn of a of a, a partner suddenly appears in your life and uh, you know you can actually quote unquote train so yeah. uh, it was rolling it was leaping there's all kinds of things right uh, and and stealth crosses over into all of these things right when you leap how quietly do you land when you roll how quietly do you roll right um, when you walk how quietly do you walk right hmm. so uh, it just becomes an exercise in uh, just being the quietest guy or girl in the room, right? So much yeah. so that, and you'll know when this happens. You'll know because your family or friends or whatever will be startled when you talk to them and they didn't realize that you walked in the room because they're going to think that you were sneaking, but that's just how you walk, right? They're, the mind gets used to everyday normal surroundings. So if we're used to people the majority of the world, clamoring and clomping through the world with their footsteps and using these big movements that sway and, and pitch and lean and, and all that, uh, you know, swaggers and things that they move, the, the brain masks that. I mean, it'll make up for it, and, you know, it kind of goes away. You don't notice it after a while. And then somebody who is has good posture, they're upright, good balance, they don't sway, they don't pitch, and they walk quietly, naturally, right? They come up on you. You don't even see it happen, right? So that's where we want to go with that, right? Uh, just like we talk about anything else, you don't practice something until you can get it, until you get it right. You practice until you can't get it wrong. And in this case, you practice until it becomes the way you do things. Yeah. Stop separating your skill, practice from the eventual goal. A ninja doesn't train to... Hold on one second. I have a phone that's ringing in the office. Okay. Um, you don't train in these skills to need them at some point. This just becomes the way you move your body. So when you need them, they're just there. It's the yeah. way you do things. <clears throat> so, anyway... I remember you talking about this example of the the picking the cup off of the table uh, the very first camp I went to, and that was a big eye-opener for me because, you know, I took that back to my lab (laughs) and and worked on those things, and it was a huge eye-opener just in how noisy we tend to be from our day-to-day lives. Like, my gosh, I'm I'm slamming doors when I go in and out of places. I'm just, like, letting cabinets close when I grab something out of them. They go bang, and just so many little things jumped out after that little lesson of, like, okay, just a little bit of mindfulness on on how, you know, we're doing these different things can go a long way in just the amount of sound and stuff that we're putting out. Yeah, and it's amazing, right? I mean, it's just... um we we just ignore it because that's what everybody's doing. Yeah. Uh, if you're really training to be a master of need to, then you're not training to be like everybody else. 
well, you shouldn't be. And I'm not a big fan of telling you what you should or shouldn't be doing, but um, as Shreysen say always says, wouldn't into idea. You know, <laughs> if you're if you're training to be this thing, then uh, I, I give suggestions. And you know, good suggestion. Do it this way, and you know what yeah. that means, right? The Japanese always cover up uh, <laughs> orders and commands as good ideas, as right. suggestions, because they're not going to come across as being rude, but that's what it is. Unfortunately, <laughs> in the West, unless somebody's told, that's the rule, do it that way or else, um, they don't take it as, as what it is. And I think that's a big problem across the art in general, is that yeah. people have heard, you know, this is a good ninja idea, this is a good suggestion, I suggest you do this. Right. Well, they take that as as we normally would in the West with a well, it's really up to me. You know, he's just <laughs> suggesting. Right. That's not what he meant. Okay. What he meant was, if you plan on being good at this and you plan on keeping me as a teacher, uh, do it this way. Right. Or or you know they'll they'll let you come to class and pay your class fees and keep repeating the same lessons over and over again. But uh, you know. You'll go away. They'll see you again in another year or five or whatever, and repeat the same lessons all over again. Yeah, and and I I just agree so much on the importance of these other lessons. As you kind of started this segment off and saying, you know, it's like the the martial art technique portion of what most people are are really focused on is just this small sliver, and it's all these other things as you talk about walking, uh, walking on gravel, all these different other techniques that are so really in the scope of things, very easy to train on your own, not need a partner to do. You know, that's that's the boat I'm in these days. Of a lot of it is solo training, so. Anytime I find myself walking through a gravel parking lot, you know, I'm working up on, you know, the flat pick up and down of my feet and it's an opportunity and it, those are, you can do those things all the time. And, uh, you know, so much of, like you said, gets hung up on, I don't have a partner. There's a lot you don't need a partner for. Yeah. But nature is supposed to be your partner. It's a lesson in Ah. (laughs) Sodakure school. It's a lesson in Shinden Fudo. Who do you? Nature is supposed to be your partner. Takamasa Sensei lived that. You know, so, mm-hmm. um, you know, don't have a partner. You may not have another human being that you can work on these things with as you see in the videos or as you normally conceptualize dojo training to be, but Nijitsu is very different. So a dojo for us, what is it that we're working on, right? Because mm-hmm. um, a dojo for us could be out in the park. It could be on a gravel parking lot. It could be on an icy sidewalk because we're working on a certain type of footwork or we're working on that that uh, little move where you flank and as he punches and you slide your foot into his uh, to either trip him in the wintertime or if he's wearing flip-flops to fold his toes back up over the top or under his foot and make it so that he can't uh, do anything else. So, uh, yeah, it's just this is another one of those uh, things that people could be working on. And I don't want to hear things like, and I'm going to mention California because that's where you live, right? California yeah. has this rule that, you know, or this law that should it get illegal, right? Right, uh, yeah. My friends in Canada, same thing and all that. Who gives a shit? Excuse my language, but you have beer coasters. You have pencils with erasers on the end. You have all these mm-hmm. other things that could take the place of a bow shudikin or a hira shudikin, right, um, that you could still be practicing shudikin throwing. You just don't have to have the thing that has the yeah. name that somebody's made right. illegal, but the skill is the same. Right? You, and how you often might... are you going to be carrying shuriken anyway 
yeah. or how often you're going to be carrying pens in your pocket or you know, a shirt pocket or a, uh, you know, a, maybe not beer coasters, but your debit card that you could throw, your wallet, your, uh, you know, a tea saucer, uh, you know, coffee, whatever, whatever right, um, that you could throw these things. Uh, we remember a long time ago, uh, I think it was a class where we were doing shootican throwing. I think you were there. And um, mm-hmm. this is before all those rubber shootican came out. And I just had a stack of um, those three and a half uh, floppy disks, right? And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we, we <laughs> threw those. We threw uh, DVDs. We threw the DVD uh-huh. cases, right? right. Uh, all those things, right? So once you start training this way, and you start developing this mindset, suddenly there are weapons everywhere, suddenly every aspect from waking to sleeping, including waking up and falling asleep, become training opportunities. Everything. Yeah. Right? Everything. Yeah, for, for less than $5, you can you can get a couple big stick pens and a foam board, and you can work on bow shuriken throwing all day Absolutely. long. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, you know, when I was a... Uh, when I was a, a dispatcher, when I was a military policeman, I was a dispatcher in the, uh, at the station for a while. And, uh, you know, I'm in this, in this soundproof room alone, right? Uh, and on, <laughs> on busy days, you stay busy. On not-so-busy days, it's, you know, you're waiting for somebody to just tell you that they're going out of service because they're going to lunch or something, right? Hmm. Uh, well, more, more often than I can count, there were days where my relief would come in and go to reach for a pen or a pencil, and I would say, I haven't collected them yet because I spent my day throwing pens and pencils at the wall, which were, <laughs> it was like this drop ceiling material, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Encasing the walls, right? So I had freaking targets all over me. So different walls, <laughs> uh, up, they were hanging in the ceiling, all kinds of stuff, right? I mean, I was practicing all the time because yeah. I was in there for 8 to 12 hours, not counting meal break, and... It was just it was just there, right? I remember one time <laughs> I was throwing the we had this old computer. I mean, we're talking like old, reel to reel kind of stuff. I'm old. Um, anyway, <laughs> so we had this thing, right? And it was it was uh, used for recording like emergency scenarios and stuff like that. So it wasn't yeah. it was more recorder than computer, but it was this big double deck kind of thing. And it was next sure. to the door, and there was this sliver of wall just enough for the light switch to be there, and then the door was wooden. So I didn't want to hit hmm. the electronics, and I didn't want to hit the door. It's a perfect target, right? So I'm yeah. throwing at this, and I just let go of a pen. And our desk sergeant opened the door to ask me something, and it hit the wall, and it stuck. And he looked at it, and he looked at me, and he said, I'll be back in a minute. He closed the door, <laughs> knocked again, opened the door, and he said, is it safe this time? Yeah. Said, yes, sergeant. And so he opens it up, and, I, you know, we do our thing, right? Uh, you will have these cleaned up before uh, – before shift change, yeah, sorry. So, you know, uh, the only thing they weren't cleaned up is when I was really busy at the end of the day, and uh, I didn't clean them up yet, and so I did that so that my relief would have pens and pencils and all that. There's always a way to find uh, to, to make things happen, right? Even if you don't get the, the, the uh, drop ceiling board, which is like two, three bucks maybe at yeah. – uh, at a uh, you know a building supply place, or you get that uh, styrofoam insulation. Getting it home is mm-hmm. the hardest part because you can get that in four by eight sheets, right? Right. Uh, yeah. Even if you don't have those things, I would I would put empty cardboard boxes on a table or a tree stump or whatever, and and throw yeah. at those. 
because now I need to hit it just right because if I can hit it just right, it's going to penetrate and not move the box as far. If I've got wobble or whatever, now I've got all this transfer of energy, less penetration, and it just knocks the box over. I've got to go back up to the box. I got, you know, so I got good because I was lazy. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's just absolutely, there's so many things that, 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 that people can do. Um, and, and stealth is one of those things that you can work on all the time. If you're moving, if you're speaking, if you're belching, if you're, if you're doing any of these things, there will be sound. Yeah. How do you minimize it? How do you be the least detectable person in the room? Yeah. Right? So um, that's, anyway, that's my take on it. How about that? Well, that's cool, and, and that gives us a, a, a spot to shift gears here to uh, talk about uh, chair fighting. That's just how I wrote it down. Chair my fighting. Chair fighting. I think that's, it's uh, fighting sounds, from chairs. It sounds like something from the WWE where we hit each other with chairs. But, no, uh, this was a really cool question that, uh, that Josh gave us, and uh, it asked about, um, you know, if, if you were to be attacked Did you feel like when sitting Josh in a chair. Questions? Do you ever feel like when Josh is sending in questions, he's playing a game of, like, Stump the Chump or something like that? <laughs> yeah, that might be it. That's, he's just got to come up with one. These guys are going to go, I don't know. <laughs> Beats the hell out of me. You're on your own, Josh. Uh, no, but I, I love this. When I, when I saw this, I'm like, oh, cool, a question about being attacked in a chair because, well – We've done this. We've we've pulled this out in class. I can remember pulling out, you know, chairs from uh and, and sitting them down and going, Okay, well we're gonna we're gonna do this stuff. What is it like? Somebody comes to grab or punch at you and you're sitting in a chair and you know, I know we, we covered so many different things about well, how do you even sit in a chair? And I I, I think we even got started with going, Wow, okay, um I, I or at least for me, I need to work on how I sit down because, you know, early on with the first time we, we started doing this, it was like, Man, I I just plop down in a chair. How how terrible is that? You know, so working on just sitting down, not like a big pile of bricks or something, and 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 how you're sitting in a chair and you know different chairs. I mean, there's so many different ways to attack this. But I think you know before we got into this, I, I sent you a note, and I'm trying to recall the, the actual name of the technique, but um, you know the historical technique from where you might have been sitting in in Seiza in ancient Japan versus you know there weren't chairs. Um, so how how taking that from that we 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 pulled out that technique I know and took took it from Seiza all the way up to what is it like if you're sitting in a chair? Right. Yeah. Well, and and most of the first level scroll of the Takagi Yoshoryu, most of those I think it's 13 techniques are sitting in Seiza. There are standing versions of them, but most of them are, are sitting, and you've got to get to standing very very quickly, right? So uh, and these things are throughout the different. Uh, lineages. There's one in Kukishinden uh, and I can't remember the name of it at the moment, but uh, I'm, I'm creating a, a curriculum now for my fifth down and above people. And so uh, one of the necessary things, this is why I didn't teach it all along, is because one of the necessary aspects of this, uh, this kata is that you have the ability, you've further refined and developed the ability that was required to pass the fifth on test. That means you can detect incoming danger that's unheard from behind because it's a sword coming right at your head. Except mm-hmm. instead of doing whatever and just rolling out of the way, you're supposed to go from fudoza, right, 
to a standing Sagon 45 degrees behind you and the attacker, behind where you were standing. So that would put you slightly to the side and behind the attacker, right? So this is not just, like, getting out of the way from a seated position. This is, like, going, you know, to a standing thing. So, uh, yeah. so these things are quite prevalent, as well as the stealth of sneaking up to be able to cut somebody from behind uh, or attack them from behind and them not being able to defend, right? So, um, yeah, so there's a whole bunch of these things, right? Uh, <clears throat> so what I would direct uh, everybody's attention to first is not just how to defend from a chair, but to recognize that there are three basic positions <clears throat> that you could be in when attacked in a chair or when, it's, when a chair is involved and seating is, is involved. And you, you alluded to this when you set this up. So the first one is during the sitting process. The second one is actually seated, and the third one is actually while coming out of the, out of the chair. Okay. <clears throat> because, as you said, most people surrender balance and drop into a chair. And even if they don't think they are, right, if they have to reach back and grab handles or whatever to slow their descent, to sit down more slowly, right, then, yes, you are. You're, you're not sitting. You're not lowering yourself to a seated position. You're falling into what I would call a piked position. Okay. So, uh, and, and Western furniture is just not designed for, quote-unquote, posturally correct sitting, right? Mm. You're, you're not. You're laying backwards, right? Think about your couch, your love seat, most chairs, mm -hmm. office chairs, right? And, uh, you know, for those, uh, you know, we have, fixed, we have fixed chairs in our viewing areas, but even my office chair, right? I can pull a little lever down on the, on the uh, uh, pedestal of it, and I can now lay back in my seat. Well, not lay back, but you know what I mean. I can, yeah. I can uh, recline, right? So Western furniture is just really, you're not sitting as in like you would be sitting with a, with a straight spine uh, in Seiza or in a meditation posture or Zagamaya or whatever, right? You're, you're reclining, right? Which means that you're also trapped because you have to fight gravity to get up more so than you might otherwise. And I probably should have uh, muted that phone, so we're just going to let it ring. Anyway, um, so uh, if you think about the way most people sit down, whether they reach backwards or they're falling down or whatever, what people typically do because sitting, like walking, is a controlled act of falling, um, what they do is they pitch their torso forward while they're sitting. Okay? They lean their head and, and body forward to neutralize the, the fall. Okay? Mm -hmm. They slow everything down. Right? What that does is it throws your face forward, and even if you are, as in Josh's question, six feet away from the person, right? He has, if he's my height, I'm five six. He has a thirty inch stride, which is almost three feet, right? Just shy of three feet, and the length of his arms. So he needs one step and an extended arm to punch you in the face if you're leaning forward because you just gave him eighteen inches to twenty four inches, depending on. That your normal height, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're leaning forward. So you can be attacked during this point. Same thing with getting out of a seat, right? Most people, because you're laying back, instead of doing what I'm going to suggest, what they do, what we do as human beings, we throw ourselves forward to get our center of gravity back out over our hips or fo more forward to get up. So we're pitching forward again, right? 
very difficult to move laterally, backwards, or anything like that if your body's in a position that's making it move forward, right? So we always want to be on balance, okay? So just like with the very first lesson you got, the first thing people need to learn how to do is sit down. This goes right back to the stealth thing we were talking about, but it's about controlling our body and using Hajitu and the legs to position the body. We can't do anything about the shape of furniture. We could buy furniture that's more conducive, but often you surrender comfort and who wants to do that, right? So anyway, right? So what we have to do first is minimize or eliminate the, the act of throwing our face at a potential attacker. Because I'm here to tell you, if I were looking to surprise somebody, I, would, I mean, I could rush them while they're in the chair, but see, I'm, I'm already concerned about what they might do because I would do that thing. So I just hmm. note they're much more vulnerable. Their, their legs are removed from the equation. So they can't kick me while they're lowering or standing. Okay? Mm-hmm. So we need to do this more upright. So, so we're always in a she's-end position. Remember, with all of our kamai, right, the leg position changes, jumonji, tegon-like, whatever, but the torso always stays the same. I know the arms are in a different position, but the torso from the hips to the top of the head are always in she's-end. Okay? So mm. mm-hmm. we need to maintain that as much as possible, whether we're in seiza, fudoza, it doesn't matter. The torso from the hips to the top of the head are in Shiza. Okay? The legs take care of everything else. The legs carry the torso. So what we need to be able to do, when we're going to sit down, if I have a chair that has space underneath the seat, okay, so we're not talking about a love seat or a, a sofa, a couch, something like that, right, uh, maybe a park bench or whatever, right, if there's space underneath the edge of the seat, then what I want to do is uh, I'm going to uh, turn around and stick one leg back so that the foot, the toes and the ball of the foot, are underneath that seat where I want to sit, where I want my butt to be. I'm going to put that under that point, and now I simply bend my knees and lower my torso to the edge of that seat. Now, if I want to sit all the way back, I can shift myself to that position. But I lowered myself down in a shizen position, so if something happens mid-movement, before I'm actually sitting back and reclining, I can always just stand back up and step. I'm, I'm in Shizen, right? Same thing with standing. Instead of throwing my torso forward to get up, what I want to do is slide forward so that what I call my sit bones, right, the things at the bottom of the, of the pelvis and the, the uh, hip assembly, right, so the bones that we sit on, right, I want to mm-hmm. slide that out to the, to the edge of the chair or the seat or whatever I'm on and tuck a foot under just like I sat down and then stand straight up. Okay? Now I'm able to move in that process because everything's on balance and aligned. Okay? So this alleviates throwing my face out there so that if somebody, were really, if somebody really knew what they were doing, that'd be the time to punch me in the face, cut my throat, whatever, right? Uh, grab me and pull me on the ground because everything's forward, right? So I want to alleviate that. Josh's question really really uh, is wrapped around, you know, I'm in the chair. And wait, he, he set up a very specific scenario, so I love that kind mm-hmm. of thing because 
people are often very vague, right? So he and he has a job like this where he might be, you know, in an office, somebody uh, that he's dealing with, colleague, whatever. They're about six feet away. They're in a chair. Uh, who knows? They might be standing, but they're they're a good distance away. So we're not leaned in forehead to forehead, right? Um, so you know, he might be looking down to take notes, that kind of thing. Uh, or whatever, right? You have you have this thing, but you're in the chair. So this is that mid, that stage two point, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and by the way, I'm borrowing these three positions from the uh, the outline of techniques in Shinden Tudori, Jutai Jutsu. All the techniques are done from different points within. Like um, again, I. I no, maybe no. Anyway, there's a kata where you're actually countering and escaping from a throw, like a seonage throw, okay? mm. and you're taught three to four henka, uh, not henka, sorry, waza. They call them waza. So it looks very different. They all look very different, but they're they're held together by the same principles and concepts. Very different from a henka that looks the same, but you know, a punch may have been replaced with a kick or something like that. So anyway, so during the Seonage, you realize that there are three to four points in the throw where you can counter, and it depends on where your brain goes, right? How quickly you recover your head during the throw or the throw attempt, right? So there's the point where he enters for the throw. There's the point where he's bringing up on his hips. There's a point where you're on top of his back, and there's a point where you're going over his shoulder. The last point is you're being thrown, so can you recover from the ground, right? So can you roll mm-hmm. out of the throw itself, right, which is what most people focus on. But that gives you what? One, two, one, two, three, four, five points in a throw to not only escape it, but to counter it and turn it around on him. Okay? So kind of blows the whole just learn the kata one way out of the water, right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, so mm. this, this, I'll just give you three things to look at here, but, you know, you could be attacked while you are you walk over to your chair and you're turning around, but you haven't sat down yet. But Josh is very specific, right? We're sitting. So here we are, all right? So suggestion number one is, I don't care if your your notepad is in your lap or or what, right? If you're going to take notes, bring the notepad up to an angle where while you're taking notes, your peripheral vision can still see. You don't have to hold it up between you and the other person. That looks very odd. But you want to keep them within your peripheral vision, even if the only thing that's operating is your subconscious sight consciousness, right? So you're not you're, you're doing whatever you're doing on your, uh, your notebook, and that's fine. But if their image does not touch your retina, Conscious or subconscious, no part of your subconsciousness can recognize them, and therefore your amygdala and all that stuff will never fire to mm. warn you of their their movement, right? You may hear a rustle, their chair may move, but by the time you've heard that, they've already cleared two-thirds of the way to you, and now you're screwed. Well, not really. I'll give you something to do, right? But uh, so try not to put yourself in a position where they're outside of your field of vision, Okay. Because remember, the two elements that I talked about uh, for stealth is masking movement and masking sound. Okay? So if you do the masking for him where he's not registering in your eyes, 
then you have to rely on sound, but then you're also trying to figure out what the sound was, and you're going to waste time by looking up, and blah, 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 right? So anyway, so there's that. The other thing is um, in a chair, if I'm being attacked, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to use my legs, and I'm going to use my legs against his legs, okay? So if I'm being attacked in a chair, instead of trying to get out of the chair, I'm actually going to get into the chair deeper. You remember doing these things, right? Mm-hmm, if somebody mm-hmm. comes up and they're in an intimidation thing or they're rushing you, right? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to hunker down in the chair by firing my my uh, abdominal muscles, right, and bringing my lumbar farther down into the chair so I brace. It would also help if you're in a chair that has wheels that when you start the meeting, if this is a concern or whatever, when you start the meeting, uh, put the lock on, right? Usually one or more of the, uh, the uh, wheels, right, have a little plastic tab or whatever that you can lock them in place, right? Um, that way, when you try to execute a technique, you don't just push yourself farther and spin the chair around, and now he's behind you or beside you or whatever. Okay? Uh, you want to lock it down or have something behind you, desk, table, something that will brace you. But you want to lower and then stomp kick out in front of you. Just get your legs straight very, very quickly and aim for his knee. Okay? My suggestion is to aim slightly below the kneecap. Okay? And what that does then is it jams up his legs, throws him off balance, and allows you time to move or counter from your new position. Okay? You have to get your other leg you can use or whatever. Okay? But use your legs against their legs. And uh, once you've stalled that, right, uh, you've got a notebook in your hand, you have a pen in your hand, whatever, right? Throw it. Okay? The next step, once you jam up his legs, he, he can't move. Uh, and he's not stuck. He's not frozen in space. His torso is flying forward. So he's busy trying to catch his balance. He's now no longer busy trying to attack you. So in the moment that he's off, off balance, throw something in his face because his face was flying forward. So now you're going to be disrupting a second balance line in his body. When he jams his legs, he's pitching forward. So now you have muscles firing to stop him from falling forward. And now you're going to throw something in his face which is going to cause his face and head to throw backwards. And what we're creating is two, two lock points in the spine okay, to help him mobilize. And then you can move. You can move into him. You can move to get out of the chair. You can steer, whatever, okay? uh, which begets practicing to get out of, these, out of these things. right? So from that position where your lumbar is down, if you have arms on the chair, you put your hands on the arm of the chair, and instead of trying to hoist yourself up with your arms or throw your head forward like most people do regularly, what you want to do is uh, throw your shoulders back into it, right? So push your elbows back and your shoulders back to actually push yourself off of it like you would push yourself off of a uh, wall when you're standing up. But again, you need to practice with different chairs. Don't just practice with one chair. Practice with many chairs. And if you know, if, if you have a priority situation, like I'm guessing that Josh does, then you want to practice with the chair that you would be, that you would use it. Okay? Um, also, you know, this is part of controlling the environment. If this is something where you're concerned about this happening because it's your job, you're a lawyer, you're a psychologist, you're, uh, I don't know, a counselor of some sort or whatever, right? And you're going to be in this thing. You're a manager and you're doing uh, disciplinary or termination meetings, okay? Um, you have control long before the situation is needed. 
So make sure that the chair that the person you're worried about or might have to deal with, make sure that that chair is harder for him to get out of than yours is for you to get out of. Okay? That slows him down. It doesn't matter if he wants to get at you. So now you can watch for telltale signs where he went from relaxed sitting back in the chair, but now he's pitched forward and he may even have edge to the, to the front edge of the chair, which is easier for him to get out, right? So, but make it, you know, if you can make it comfortable while making it uncomfortable at the same time. It's plush and comfortable, and when they sit down, they go, oh, this is nice. And then when they try to get up, they go, oh, but not too easy to get out of. That's okay, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, we're going for comfort here, right? Yes, I am going for comfort. <laughs> I'm going for your comfort if you're not trying to hurt me, and I'm going for my comfort if you try to get out of my clamshell. Right? So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But my suggestion is go for the legs uh, with, your, with your legs. And Josh is, Josh is a tall guy. Josh has reach. He can't quite reach across six feet, but he'll, he'll be able to, to tag him. Uh, don't forget a lot of the uh, Mod 1 techniques that we teach, and if you do it again at Mod 5, where we're uh, you know on the ground and we're levering at the knees. Uh, we take the back of the heel and chisel down onto their toes uh, or tops of the foot kind of thing. Uh, you know, you pin a foot down and then come in from the side for a stomp or some kind of a kick to the knee to buckle it uh, in an odd position that will torque them and drop them. Uh, you know, uh, you can also practice that if they are reaching and it's a last second thing, you couldn't stop them. Okay, then can you do your wrist reversals, uh, muso dori, armbar, things like that, from this lower position with them reaching in on you? Can you uh, can you do those things? Can you do a counter strike from there? Right, the swatting counter strike from Gyokoryu or one of these things. Where you parry? So can you do jumon no kata? Parry, strike the ribs. Can you do your kihon hapo from from this chair position? So, uh, and like I said, Josh is one of mine. So thanks for setting up your next class, Josh. Appreciate it. Okay. <laughs> I was trying <laughs> to think of this. Good. Think back to this technique. I know we did where you know the kind of uh, punch <clears throat> or grab comes in, and and uh, you know the hand kind of comes up and around their head to strike the opposing temple with a shto and I, I i think i thought it was the i think the name i gave you was a, a hanbo kama i can't even remember the name of the technique but um i i just remember that one because the distraction uh, of of your hand coming up sends their head into the shto on the opposite side uh and then we would yeah, stand up from seiza bringing them right down that's it Thank yeah you're you. gonna bother me all going. week yeah. <laughs> capturing the haze right capturing that's the fog it. Uh, because the way your arm moves, it causes them to flinch because it looks like the hand's coming at the face, but you're going to hook back around almost like the little teardrop shape on a yin-yang and pop them in the temple. Uh, right. Yeah, uh, and that that's actually what you do. And what the cop is teaching you is they grab you and they go to punch, and you do this thing that disorients them long enough that you can stand straight up, and then the rest of the technique for you is done standing. Right while they're in a buckle mm -hmm. position, so mm -hmm. but you can do that from the chair, right? Yeah. Um, so you know the the big thing is is to apply these to your circumstances and to always 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 remember or never ever ever forget. I don't care how you choose to look at it. That the techniques were developed based on the environment and the times, because they sat in seiza, zagamai, these kind of things. That's where they were defending from because that's where they would have been when attacked. Unless you go to picnics a lot, 
like the old-fashioned ones where you're sitting on a blanket and, you know, you got a picnic basket and you're sitting in Seiza or Furuda, you're not going to be attacked in that position. So how do you translate all those kata to a chair? Yeah. And which ones can't be converted because the chair's too big for you to move backward and at an angle from because you're in this pike position, uh, or bent pike position, as they would call it, gymnastics. Uh, you know, how do you how do you modify that? So those are always really, really important things, right? We have to make it a, I mean, part of, see, here's the dilemma we have. And it's a dilemma that more people have, I think, than I do. Um, now, I'm not all about just recreating the art, but we have mm-hmm. this thing, and I have it as a teacher. How do I preserve the lineage and the lessons as passed down while making them applicable in today's world? And the science is still sound. And it still needs to and not something else. Yeah. Right? So, anyway. Um, We've yeah. got a couple minutes so, here okay. left uh, if we want to uh, open up for some Q&A. We're right up kind yeah, of well, the Josh end of our on, time. So, let's see if that answered the question. Um, I just flipped it off there, so I didn't flip it off. <laughs> anyway. All right. So, uh, Josh, if you're live and not just listening via headset or whatever uh did, did that help at all yeah i know that did i'm uh i'm actually in my office right now i'm looking at the uh the chairs that i normally sit in um they're it's kind of sparked it because they're both uh kind of like armchairs and so they're comfortable to sit in they're difficult to get out of quickly um but the good thing is that the one that the other person sits in is also difficult to get out of. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's lots of other things that you could do as well. I mean, if somebody were getting agitated, you know, I always keep a drink nearby. For me, it's a Diet Pepsi, but for somebody else, it might be coffee, tea. It doesn't matter if it's cold, right? If they're getting agitated and they say something, you know, while you're giving them that look of, hmm, I understand, you know, and you're, you look like you're giving it some thought, reach over and grab the drink. To, like you're taking a sip. Now you've got something in your hand that's Mitsubishi. It just happened to be, happens to be liquid. That would give you time mm-hmm. as well to get out of the chair, right? Because what you're doing is putting something in your hand that looks completely innocuous, but it is, is going to serve as a tool. Does that make yep. sense? A brilliant idea. Thanks. <laughs> Can't take credit for all this stuff. I learned it along the way as well. <laughs> But once you learn the principle of the concept, that's when it sounds like, oh, no, I've never heard anything like that. Shoshi uh, Miller came came up with that. Yeah, but see, I've been taught these other things, and then based on my own experience and based on really thinking deeply about situational things like this, right, um, what what can be done, right? And, and it, it still fits. So what you end up finding is that you're, pulling Hensu Jutsu in place, you know, disguising impersonation. I'm going to look like somebody who's just not paying attention to my surroundings. So maybe that'll de-escalate the situation, and maybe it'll make you feel like you have that open. Because I don't want to feel like I'm at risk at any moment. I would rather decide when you can attack, right? So that's when I'll look like I'm not paying attention, right? So I can either I can, I can find things that will simultaneously de-escalate and create an opening at the same time, but 
that in that moment, I'm conscious of the fact that there's an opening. So I actually have the advantage, even if he moves first. Uh, there's, you know, paying attention to body language. There's the key Aijutsu, and not just the yelling and screaming that's typically associated with the martial arts, but understanding how tone and inflection controls someone's perception. So, uh, you know, anytime we're talking, if we're if we're really mindful of this, we're practicing Kiaijutsu. Just like every time we move, we're practicing stealth or not, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it's we're always practicing Taijutsu, sitting down, standing up sliding back into the chair, sliding forward to the lift before you stand up so you're always doing it from Shiva. We're, we're in the same position. Even though we're, we're in, a, in a piece of furniture, we're always, you know, when we're standing up from Furuza or uh, Seiza, hello? hello, the spine's always straight. Uh-oh, something happened here. Hopefully it's recording. Uh, I think so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you can hear me. I think we had another uh, another caller jump in. So we're in interactive mode. Oh, okay, fair enough. Uh, fine, fine. Okay, so Josh, did, um, so you have plenty to work on between now and the next time you'll be re- yeah, redecorating yeah, your office. Uh, a lot of good things to keep in mind. I think the the the. Um, I, so I had a question. Just yeah. a minute. I, I mean, almost somebody else. Hold on. Okay. So uh, go ahead, Josh. Oh no! I, just, I was just going to say. I think I think the thing about the peripheral vision and taking notes is a, is a good one. I'll, um, I don't think I hunch over totally, but I, I, you know, I don't. I've never paid attention to it specifically before, and uh, that's that's what that's kind of where the question came from. So I think it's a good one to keep in mind. Yeah, and yeah, this is one of those yeah. things where uh, when I teach uh, rape defense or. Uh, anything where, you know, it's a street defense kind of thing, and somebody walks up and says, hey, do you have the time, right? Um, people rely more and more on their cell phones now, and people habitually walk around like zombies where they're looking down instead of having the cell phone up or just waiting. I mean, are things that important and is the world that boring that you have to be staring at a glowing screen? But going back to the watches, Somebody ever asked me for time, I would bring the watch up to my face. Mm. I bring it up on eye level so I can look at them and look at the time, and that way I'm not looking down and then looking up at them. Instead of taking my head to the watch, I bring my watch to my, my head. And that way I'm looking right over the top of the watch, and they're always in. I can, I can be helpful. I can be that helpful human being. And are most people going to attack me? No, of course not. But if I do that for everyone, then I'm not, um, I'm not uh, leaving myself exposed in that moment when I actually need the skill or the, uh, you know, the tool or whatever it is that I need. So, yeah, it's good. Cool. Okay. You. you so, I think we had uh, another question. Yeah, I, I have a, a question. Yeah. Yes. Go ahead. Okay. Um, you talk about solo. You know, people training solo. And all the stuff yes. you talk about is very basic, you know, doing to the whole picture of what you guys train in. But when you're talking about doing the, the actual combatives where you're actually doing striking, you can do a lot of the striking on your own to develop to a certain point. But you need a partner in, in any system, whether it's this system or others. And the thing is, if you can't find a partner, you know, specifically, for example, the grappling end of it, you're going to have a problem here. You're going to miss out on a good portion of what you guys do. If I'm wrong, you can definitely tell me. How would you do it with solo? I mean, I don't see that happening unless well, you're going to find your... 
Well, I think you came in in the middle of that conversation, and that was led off with um, that the combatives is a small part of the overall realm of Nijutsu. Okay. And most people have turned it into a major thing so that Nijutsu has become a martial arts choice among martial arts choices. I mean, in all honesty, how many many physical fist fights do you get in in a given day? Very few. How many arguments do you get get in in a given day or week or month? How many what? How many arguments? Uh, a couple. I work in health. How many pushy salesmen? How many pushy salesmen or other people that are trying to impose their will or their perspective on you, and so now they're leaving you. You know, maybe it's a boss or who knows, but you're. It's more of an emotional kind of thing, and you're dealing with that kind of a conflict. How often does that happen? Way more than the physical combatants. And needs to involves all of these things, and you know, dealing with a dog charging you to bite you or whatever. So. I wasn't discounting any of those things. What I was talking about is the fact that people that are solo training have plenty to work on, and then they could go to seminars or when they can arrange to to work with a partner, then they can work with a partner. But that's not 90% of it. And even if we're developing fight skills, now grappling is its own thing, but we still have to work on fitness, flexibility, uh, maneuvering from the ground, and all those things. And if you can't do it by yourself, you have an even harder job when you're trying to do it against another being, another human being that has his own agenda. So how easily can you maneuver? How easily can you flip your body over to a uh, position on all fours, right? In in one quick slip, you know, slip of a movement. If you have to fight your own battle to, or your own body to roll over, then doing it against somebody else, you don't even know that you're doing that, right? And if we're fighting ourselves, we're an accomplice to our own butt kicking because we're helping him. The goal is to make him an accomplice to his butt kicking, not us. But everything else, we're talking about striking, kicking, all those kind of things, there's actually, I teach from a position of four pillars. Familiarization, that means we need to be able to make the fist, and I don't mean know how to make it. I mean be able to make it in an instant without having to think about where my thumb goes, um, and it's just, it, it goes there. Knowing what targets on the body that fist is best utilized on because I get the be- the most return on investment for my effort in hitting. Otherwise, I switch out to something better, which is why the ninja has, of their 18 fists, nine of them are made with the hand, and they're these different shapes so that we can access best points with that given fist. Well, if you have have to learn this stuff in a quick, you know, you need to learn something to do to your job or whatever at a fast fast pace, then a lot of this stuff is going to take a long time to learn. And you know, uh, unless you're practicing outside the dojo, right? Because I, mean, I can sit at my to... desk and practice making fists until I can't get it wrong, right? And okay. I get that. Well, there's pro- things that there's. Go ahead. The, 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 I mean, like you, I was reading your, your bio, and you said that you were looking for things when you're working as an MP and you're working in, in type of you know jobs that you needed to use use stuff that you need to learn quickly. So. If you, this, this art was trained, you trained in this art to learn stuff quickly, it sounds like this stuff that you're talking about, the subtle stuff and the basic stuff takes a long time to learn. What did you learn quickly enough to, in this art to keep, to keep you, you know, healthy and safe? Uh, control of distance. Yes. Control of distance so that I'm, uh, a step and a half for his height that he's going to have to make up before he can even launch a punch. Um, so control of distance, sidestepping and evasion so that I'm not relying on physical strength and blocking. Um, 
what else? Uh, positioning, um, positioning of weapons on my gun belt so that they were easily reached and they were a part of the natural movement. So choice of a holster, not because it was the coolest one on the block or whatever, but because it actually had a forward tilt to it and the safety brake was where my hand naturally falls and I didn't have to contort my wrist, elbow, or shoulder to access those things to break it because under under stress I'm gonna lose gross motor I'm gonna lose fine motor skills. So Right. So what uh, what type yeah. of combatives would you did you learn train yourself to do if you're gonna do solo to the, be able to keep yourself out of you know out of out of harm's way? Evasion. I know it's a hard question. Evasion. Well it's evasion. Okay. It's evasion. And then, I mean, in the beginning, a student's going to be an opportunist. So your first phase of training should be how to get out of the way of something, recognize the target, and tag it, or, uh, you know, to be able to break somebody's balance, whether you're grabbing a collar or whatever, and taking them down. Understanding that some of the stuff we did when we were young and dumb in school uh, that we did as pranks, like walking up behind somebody, and maybe you didn't do this, but you tag them in the back of the knee so their knee buckles, they drop their books, and, you know, they stagger a little bit. And remembering those things and, and, and learning that we've already learned a lot of things that can be applied to combatives that we don't have to start yep. fresh from. Like the first lesson okay. in, in stick fighting, you learned when you played baseball. If, if I have to teach you how to swing a hanbo or a short stick or whatever, like a baseball bat, then somebody wasn't paying attention. And this is, I'm not talking about you. I mean, this in a general no, sense. Yeah. So, well, I, uh, I, go ahead. Appreciate it. No, no, you yeah, you made worry. some good points. Uh, I just because solo training everybody does, but I mean most all the martial arts, whether it's ninjutsu, karate, then you need a partner at some point to practice with it. You just, do, and that's where I was going with the four with the four pillars that yeah, I teach. There's familiarization, sure. right? There's target yeah. work, so you need to make sure that you have slamming hits. So whether you use a makiwara or a wave master or whatever, you have to have resistance to make sure your fist, your wrist, whatever doesn't buckle. And that you're getting good good shots in. There's shadow boxing where you can just move around and you know visualize somebody out in front and practice your movement and coordination of the strikes and kicks and all that with the uh, with the movements so you're not stumbling and, and you kind of get a, a good sense of moving. And then the fourth pillar is working with people. And these aren't done in order. This is fourth. The fourth one is practical application. You need a human body to learn the aspects of practical application. You don't need another person to practice punching. You don't need another person to practice moving around and learning how to extend the arms and how the how the uh, the uh, hand best moves through space. You, you don't need you don't need a partner for three of those pillars. Okay. You need one for practical but, apply, or practically applying the technique to a human body. Well, thank you for taking the time, and sir. So, appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. No worries. Yeah, what a great that thank, was a great that discussion. Was a, that was a good question. I, I appreciate. Yeah, that, that was yeah. good. We good. are uh, coming up close to the end of our, our time for us getting. I know uh, I don't want the recording to get cut off here, so the folks who couldn't join us live can uh, yeah, and I am back have to, to it. Know so. I have a class to teach today, so I have yeah. 11 minutes coming up here. So Yeah, cool. But yeah, so, some great uh, questions, awesome discussion. Appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. This was good. So uh, we're going to have to leave the rest to, if you have any questions or comments to this, post it on the Kuden page or uh, – uh, Send it through via email. Eric will cover that in a minute anyway. But, uh, yeah, so I had fun. Did you have fun? Yeah, oh, it was a great one. I had fun, too. And, uh, you know, do more chair work, chair fighting. Right. See? <laughs> uh, that was cool. Without holding that it out great. like you're holding off a line, right? 
that that's right. That's right. I'm just going right. to go roll around my office in my rolly chair now and do some things. So fantastic. <laughs> well, until uh, until next week, and we'll have, uh, like you mentioned, you know, if there's more questions or something that comes out of this discussion, it'd be great to send those in to us either through the Facebook page or the email you'll get here in a minute, and uh, we can add that into next week's show. Excellent. Talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Kudet, the podcast for self-defense and martial arts news, interviews, techniques, and history. For more information on upcoming martial arts seminars, camps, and classes with Sheehan Miller, or to submit a question or discussion topic to the show, call 570-884-1118 or visit warrior-concepts-online.com.